welcome back to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, this Tuesday afternoon. I'm really excited to welcome back on the program the one and the only Andrew Dambina. Andrew, it's great to speak to you again. How are you today? I'm good, thanks, Noreen. How are you? I'm right back. Yes, I'm doing very well. I'm I'm really happy because, like you said just now, when I when I contacted you back, um, we're doing a good old fashioned phone interview. Gosh, do you remember <laughs> back in the day? Hey, yeah, we're on the we're on the blower, the phone, <laughs> the dog and bone. Exactly. Yeah. It's nice to yeah. to speak to you, and there's no delay to do you know with Zoom or other sorts of things. That's so it. exactly. Sometimes so much lag. Less is more. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And who needs to see my mug on the screen anyway? Radio is radio, isn't it, Noreen? <laughs> well, I'm sure many of your audience. fans will want to see you. But what have you got for us <laughs> yeah. today, then? Well, okay, I want to kick off, then. Uh, last time we spoke about food and drink uh, news and topics, we were chatting about surprising animals found at vineyards and wineries. Uh, we... Uh, we were uh, talking about that, but we had to have a break because it was at the end of the programme. And I didn't want to finish it with uh, Karen Coe, who I had a chat with in your absence a couple of weeks ago when we were doing global food and uh, drinks news, uh, because I, I knew you were quite enjoying it. I so, was, where, totally. Yeah. Now, now uh, let's carry on then, Noreen. Where were we? Um, it was uh, we'd, we'd, we'd spoken about a few... Uh, interesting animals that had functional, they were they're, they're kind of labelled as helpful animals at producers' wine estates. And it was based on a top ten of these uh, animals that are kept deliberately for um, for positive purposes, to do jobs, if you like, animal-type jobs, around um, different vineyards around the world. And we'd already noticed that um, uh, one or two had been used. We'd talked about geese in Chile, if you remember those, um, but um, they were um, they, they, they were chasing off uh, pests, uh, insects that were on vines. Uh, just a quick recap here: there were some miniature sheep and pigs that were used both in England and New Zealand as eco-friendly lawn mowers, trimming the grass and uh, weeds between the vines so that uh, so that either electricity or diesel didn't have to be used by lawn mowers. Pretty cool. Um, and armadillos was one of the last ones that we talked about. Do you remember what those uh, armadillos were up to? Putting on the spot, as I know you love to be put on. Gosh, I want to say they were eating uh, sort of unwanted yeah. um, pests. I, I, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, you're there. You're there. <laughs> you, you, yeah, yeah. One point. Would have been two points had you said ants, but uh, but unwanted pests, definitely a point for you there, Nos. So what have we, what have we got for that remaining on the list? Okay, the first one is bats. Um, hmm. So we talked about things in different parts of the world, but in France, where there are so many different regions, uh, Chablis, the French uh, region of Chablis, um, uh, bats are kept to chase off moths because they eat moths that uh, that leave a kind of grey rot on the vines. The moths like to land and, uh, and nibble on leaves and sometimes on the fruit, the grapes, but mostly on leaves. And they create um, from their droppings a kind of grey rot, and the bats are brought in um, to uh, to gorge on these moths. So that's one in Chablis, region of France. There. Um, Interesting. On to, it, it, it is. All, it all is. of these are pretty. Yeah, I know these are, and it's kind of some of these have gone on for decades, and uh, um, not quite not quite centuries, but they're all ways of being more eco-friendly, and wineries are like like to be. 
putting labels at their natural wine producers, not just the organic process of fertilizer and not using pesticides, but also, um, um, I suppose, um, um, environmentally responsible producers. Mm. So the, uh, this, this all helps their cause to do that. And it's all for a good thing, of course. Um, in Spain, there are Andalusian terriers who are used more in the wine-making uh, facility rather than out on the vineyards themselves to keep rats at bay. There are special terriers that are kept purely for that purpose. And they're, and they're a crossbreed uh, between uh, dogs that were originally brought over from the UK when uh, some of uh, some British uh, sherry makers first went to the area of Jerez, um, where they make sherry in Andalusia. And they bred uh, a... Uh, they crossbred fox terriers from the UK that they brought over um, with a local rat-hunting dog of, of Spain to come up with what is now called, and I kid you not, Rato Nero. And the, the proper name is Rato Nero. Like, you know, black rat, and the, and the next word is uh, Bodiguero Andalusat. So it's, wow. um, yeah, but it's um, a special uh, crossbreed that has only rat been... Rat-hunting uh, dog. Yeah, I mean, and, and, they, and they have been only uh, bred, you know, selectively in that region of uh, Sherry, or Jerez, as, as it's called uh, locally in Spain. You know, and, the uh, irony the, of this is they kind of look like rats themselves. I just had to go... The dogs, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you, they, they are a bit snouty, aren't they? They're a bit ratty-looking. Yeah. Cute. They, yeah, yeah, oh. definitely. Um, and the next, the, the, the next one is mules and horses are being used uh, by lots of different wineries in different parts of the world now, but particularly popular in France, especially in the Burgundy region. What do you reckon those mules and horses are doing in the vineyard areas? Oh, gosh, I love being put on the spot, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, sorry. No, I'll, 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 I'll tell you straight away. Horses, of course, traditional. Go on, did you want to guess? Or fertilisers? I don't know. Oh, well, I bet they use a bit of that as well for fertiliser, but they're, but they're mostly used for their power to pull flowers uh, ah, going back to... Good yeah, horsepower, old, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. But it's going back to a way that hasn't been used for a long time in uh, winemaking or any kind of, kind of farming, really, apart from places that can't afford, you know, where, where the economy is low enough that they can't afford to buy a tractor to, yeah. to you know, motorised form. So it's not only to, uh, to save petrol and to be more environmentally friendly that way, but also the tractors weigh a lot. Modern tractors are heavy, and they compact the earth around the vines and so not enough air gets into the uh, the soil around the vineyards so um so these these are also to aerate the soil around the vines it's all it's all kind of interesting stuff um and uh we haven't got many left but uh, but one of the last ones is bees um so they are um bees are aren't you gonna ask me what they're <laughs> Well, I didn't, I didn't, if I did, you'd say I'm putting you on the spot again, Noreen, but go on. <laughs> um, something to do with fertilising. Oh, you heard me say yes. it, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I heard you say it. <laughs> okay. Um, well, they are... Um, the vine, vine plants actually uh, fertilise themselves. So uh, I was going to say that, that bees do fertilise some plants around the vineyards, but not the vine, not the grapevines themselves. They just create pollen that helps put more nutrients into the vines 
which means that better grapes will grow. So, but they're not actually pollinating. It's just for nutrients to keep the vines healthy. Mm. Um, two left, Noreen, and they are both uh, birds, bird types. Birds of prey. Why would birds of prey be deliberately kept at a vineyard? So that they can prey on unwanted pests that try to steal the grapes. Yeah, it, it, it is, and it's um, you know. So now we're talking bigger pests, not the uh, not the moths, not the ants, not Foxes. the other insects that keep. Um, it's it's um, it's actually other birds. Oh. They are they're birds of prey that prey on other birds, and so uh, particularly in California right now for the last couple of years, um, hawks have been used to chase off. Uh, birds that would otherwise be enjoying a bit of a feast on grapes. Oh, I don't um, know why I had it in my mind that fox like to eat grapes, but apparently, um, like to dogs, grapes and raisins can be poisonous to foxes and dogs. Anyway, so oh, yeah. okay, that makes well, that makes sense. Yeah, maybe I, I wonder if it's the uh, the very high sugar content in grapes because I know, yeah, as a dog owner, I know that. Um, I the think it's the one of the worst fruits. Canids uh, is that uh, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but it's the that that that's toxic to to dogs and foxes. Anyway, but you, you were saying those okay. birds of prey are to keep other birds away from eating the grapes. Yeah, it's to scare them. So there are trained falcons and uh, and hawks, which yeah. are uh, which which do a kind of little uh, fly around, and when uh, when birds see them, they keep away because they're scared that they will become prey of those larger. Um, of those larger birds, so um, the, and starlings are uh, one of the uh, one of the kind of uh, most um, great hungry birds around. Just a little, as a little mm. bit of info there. Uh, lastly, then um, chickens. What are chickens doing wandering between the lines of the vines? Do you think? What? I don't know. Well, it, it's, it's so many of these things are about pests, and it's pests again. But there's a particular kind of pest called the vine weevil, which eats uh, shoots and roots, and it leads to, um, you know, bad, bad health in the vine so they don't grow um, so many branches or grapes. So uh, these, uh, these vine weevils, where they, where they are more prolific, and that's quite a lot in uh, South America, so in, in, in Chile in particular, where a lot of wine is produced these days, um, chickens are uh, used to keep these vine weevils away. Interesting. Right. Wow. Yeah. I thought so weevils. We- I thought weevils yeah. just like pastas and rice. I, yeah, didn't know they gonna, like, I, about, I didn't know they liked yeah. grapes as well. These these devils. Yeah. Weevils. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it's funny. I, I was I was going to ask you. Yeah, you. So you, you've explained it just there. But yes, I mean that's the thing that's uh, a bit of a curse in some kitchens in uh, in Hong Kong, isn't it? Well, it's, the Consumer um, Council just released something. I think it was two weeks ago. Was it last yeah. week? That all the pasta yeah. in Hong Kong tested contained not just only pasta, but also, you know, debris or like well, bits of bits of old insect or probably weevils. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, there were some. There were all sorts of uh, horrible finds in there as well. I mean, hair. Hair was mentioned. Didn't see a breakdown of, uh, of, of you know, human or animal or types of hair that were in there. Whether it was, you know, whether it was kind of uh, uh, helper animals at the pasta factory, <laughs> you know, that were around there, like, <laughs> or if someone brought their pets in, there's a bit of a bit of hair going in. Or whether it was, uh, or whether it was actually from the workers. So. Uh, didn't get the full breakdown of that, but it sounded a bit a bit nasty, to be honest. <laughs> so, um, so, so from uh, from from wine, then I'm going to just um, 
move on to uh, the world of spirits. And I haven't mentioned a celebrity booze label in quite a while, Noreen. We do come across these over the years, don't we? Exactly. Um, what, Jamie, it, didn't Jamie Oliver have his own sting? Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie? Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all, all of those did, yeah. Um, Brad Jelena, the old couple, uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina, yeah, they, they, they actually, amazingly, still um, co-produce uh, a very, very well-respected wine, which is because they hired some top French guys from the Rhone Valley. And, um, and, and it's, the, the wine is still winning awards, and it's got nothing to do, nobody's interested in them having anything to do with it anymore because they're not this power celebrity entertainment couple. It really is the wine talking itself. They cleverly got a very big, uh, well-respected producer to make it for them. So uh, in blind tastings, uh, their wine is regularly winning uh, awards anyway, particularly their rosé. Um, and it's called, it's called Mirabelle. And it is a, it's a, it's a, uh, um, a rosé which uh, costs about two or three times the price of uh, entry-level rosés normally. So, um, yeah, it should be good, really. But the one I wanted to mention was... Um, now, you, you're going to know the answer to this, actually, because I sent you a picture. But were you surprised to find out that uh, ancient glam rock band Kiss has just released its, uh, its first foray into the world of spirits? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we don't hear much about these guys, do we? So maybe everyone's forgotten about their music. Um, I'm not sure if... Uh, if this will lead to uh, rum rum drinkers, because it is rum that's been released, whether this will lead to a revival in people being interested in their music, which uh, they started, Kiss the Band started in the 70s. And I, I think we need to get Andrew Dembina back. Uh, perhaps we'll go to a couple of uh, APIs and we'll get back to Andrew Dembina afterwards. Due to the volatile COVID-19 situation, the public should stay at home and avoid going out in particular elderly persons, as they have higher risk of severe illness. Family and friends should help them with shopping and other daily needs. If elderly persons must go out, they need to wear a mask and wash hands frequently. Pay attention to the latest situation. See your doctor promptly if feeling unwell, even if the symptoms are mild. Let's fight the virus together. Right. I think we we cut you off accidentally. Sorry about that, Andrew. Um, we were talking about uh, the spirit made by the band Kiss, and maybe this will, uh, I don't know, be a rejuvenation for, 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 for their music as well. So people will try their liqueur and also maybe listen to their music again. Maybe they go hand in hand. Maybe, maybe. That, we'll, we'll have to see if that happens. But this is the first of what they hope is going to be a collection of rum. Now, I suppose rum, maybe, particularly in America, where they come from, has a bit of a, uh, a, a rock and roll imagery or, you know, bars and nightclubs will be... Uh, maybe rum would come up a, a close second to, uh, to bourbon, uh, American whiskey. But um, that, that's what they've done, this 1970s glam rock band, They've come out with something called Black Diamond, and it's, uh, it sounds like a, a pretty standard bottle of rum, not available here yet, but it's going for a not very cheap 42 US dollars a bottle, which is, um, you know, 300 and something Hong Kong dollars. So it's not an entry-level one. It's a premium price, and uh, you expect it to be something decent. So it's been, it's been made by a Swedish company. I don't think Sweden... Sweden Better known for its vodka than rum, perhaps. But um, mm. but it's, it, 
it's but it, but it's something it's always something of a bit of a, a bit of interest i suppose if people are going out for a night and there's a uh, a glitzy label which one this one has uh um saying kiss black diamond on it with the old kiss logo um then uh, people might just try it are you are you a rum fan yourself norian uh, yeah i quite like rum yeah maybe yeah. i don't think i don't think you'd be able to get it in hong kong though or maybe i don't know it's only it's only just come out in the US, but uh, I bet they'll be trying to get it around the world. The thing is, though, I think uh, for a band as old as they are, when they're you know they're in their heyday in probably the mid to late seventies, they came out in the early seventies. They will have to rely on people uh, knowing them, perhaps, for uh, to to get those impulse purchases. Where you'd get that in America and in Europe and perhaps Australia, but uh, in this part of the world. Not, I don't think people will remember them that well. So they'll have to have a damn good drop of rum in there, I think, to sell it in this part of the world. That's my opinion. Yes, I look forward to trying trying the Kiss rum. Yeah, let's uh, see, see, if we can, see if we can get a hold of a bottle and we tell people what we think of it. Um, so keeping in a, uh, a kind of a, a celebrity or entertainment area um, with drinks, just in time for Christmas, perhaps, there's um, uh, the listener should know um, if they have any friends or family who are Trekkie geeks, um, <clears throat> Steve James, then um, <laughs> yeah, then anyone that, that's anyone who is a geek for the uh, the TV series and film Star Trek. There's a new Star Trek cocktail book launching uh, round about now. And um, it's been put out just in time for Christmas. And a British author who's also a cartoonist named Glenn Dakin has, uh, has put together a, a list of very imaginative intergalactic cocktails that he has made with two um, top bartenders in the UK. But he's kind of come up with the ideas and then, and then he's got these mix masters to, uh, um, to come up with the ingredients of cocktails that are all inspired by phrases, terms, and planets that are mentioned in the hit science fiction TV show uh, that went on to make films, Star Trek. Star Trek. It's, pretty, it's a pretty cool idea, though. So uh, it's called Star Trek Cocktails, a stellar compendium, <laughs> and the, uh, the cocktails are divided into different themes that, uh, that begin with themes, that, the kind of phrases that you'd hear in Star Trek, if, you've ever, if anyone's ever watched it, which is things like um, uh, first contact, which means when they make contact with the uh, aliens. And that is a section, first contact is a selection of aperitifs to drink before dinner or any time of the day. Um, and they've also um, they've got things to do with other planet names. I won't go I won't go into them all. But one of them, which is quite interesting, is called the Sumerian Sunset. And this comes from the uh, the series that's called the Next Generation TV series that followed the original series. And in that series, when somebody touched the glass, it had a reaction with the human hand, and uh, the tra a transparent liquid in that program began to swirl with colour as if by mag magic. So. Uh, what they've tried to create here in the book is something that is made. It's a uh, it's made with a tequila base. Uh, it's called Sumerian Sunset, um, as the, as the thing was in the program. Um, but they've tried to layer it with colour so that when you swirl it around, the weight of the density of these different liquids as you swirl it around looks like there's some kind of uh, different colours that don't all mix together that remain in layers and looks something looks like something interesting 
in the glass. So a lot of imagination has gone into this, not just into what it uh, tastes like. Um, and uh, also in the introduction, the, uh, the author has written a lot about every time an alcoholic drink or drinking episode happens in Star Trek. Um, so in the first episode on TV, a martini was served on the bridge of the Star Trek uh, USS Enterprise, the spaceship that, uh, that, that, that went around conducting its missions. So um, there you go. If you're looking for an interesting uh, cocktail book, uh, one with a bit of an unusual theme, there, there it is, Star Trek a stellar compendium. Um, and is, we've got, w- yes, we've got about a minute before yeah. the news, so very quickly to the last bit. I think you sent me some truffle, or is it yeah. very odd-looking yeah. ginger truffle? It's, it, it, no, you're bang on. It's a white truffle, otherwise known as Alba truffles from uh, the northeast of, it, of, uh, of Italy, Alba truffles. I just want to remind people that we're right at the end of the annual white truffle season. Normally it would be a lot colder than now, but um, there's a couple of weeks left where some Italian restaurants around town, uh, Google it, Google um, Alba White Truffles Hong Kong. I did it before we spoke today. Okay. And there are a number of restaurants that are serving them. So Thank you out. very much indeed. Andrew Dambina, and you'll be back with us again uh, next Tuesday as well. Well, thank you, and we'll speak to you then. And that's Andrew Dambina, our food and drinks uh, 